thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Vosi. Um, this particular episode is just everything. Um, I personally look up to you, and just hearing you talk about Snowball Effect has made me realize how I've gotten so engrossed with your result and I've not taken into consideration your process and the process of how you've got into this place where you're in motivation and you have massive impacts to us and every one of us in the VT community. Thank you so much. This was such an eye-opener and I personally would, you know, rededicate myself to the pursuit of why I want to be where I want to be. You really helped me. Thank you. It's time to take your seat at the table. Find out how with Vosi Tembeguayo as we discuss ideas that matter. A catalyst for bold action. Hello, family, and welcome to another episode of the VT Podcast. It feels so good to say that again. Hello, family. <laughs> First, a warm Happy birthday to my little girl, Amahle. Daddy loves you so, so, so much. My daughter just turned 10 years old. She was very keen to remind me that now that she's double digits, she deserves a mobile phone. So daddy has committed to doing it and uh, and we'll certainly, we'll certainly make sure that it happens. Um, I had the most amazing, amazing, amazing time with the family and the kids and the birthday and uh, it just feels... Uh, so good and it fills my heart to 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 live in a time where one is able to make sure that you can make your children's wildest dreams come true and to be blessed with the ability to be able to make their dreams come true is I think something none of us should ever take for granted. So happy birthday, memes and reams. As you guys would know, it was my birthday uh, about three weeks ago. I turned 37 years old. I'm, so, I'm I, don't, I gotta tell you, I'm actually quite nervous about this age, 37. It feels so mature, doesn't it? When somebody says, so how old are you? You go, I'm 37. You know, it, it um, you, wh- whatever you say after you say your age at 37 years old can't be immature. You've got to be st- structured, considered, you've got to be wise and, um, and, and, um, and, and open to the world. So very, very excited to have reached this beautiful age of 37 years old. This year for the first time, I dedicated my birthday to being of service to others. So I spent the full day doing stuff that in the right time, I'll tell you guys what we did. But we're very excited, the team and I, about what we were able to do for the community on my 37th birthday this year, the 21st of March. I'm still accepting presents, by the way. So for those of you who would like to send us a gift or two, I'm open to receiving your presents. I also am very excited to share that we have finally launched Club 100. (laughs) Yep, that's right. You heard it right. We finally launched the VT Club 100. And I'm so excited. Uh, the um, the uptake for the Club 100 has been unbelievable. If you want to find out all about it, it's a private mentorship platform with me. You go to vtclub100.com, vtclub100thenumber.com, and you'll find out everything you need to find out about the club. Very excited to have you on as part of the community. Right, friends and family. This week, I wanted to talk to you guys a bit about old money old money hmm this conversation comes because 
I've been spending some time with people in my network and friends of mine, guys in my business, uh, board members, who are what I consider to be old money. And one of the things I've noticed is old money moves different. Old money moves different. Now, I know that the correct English is old money moves differently, but it just has a bit more uh, youth spunk, isn't it? It captures the zeitgeist of uh, the lingua franca of how young people speak today when you say it moves different. Old money moves different. So, less than a week ago, I was at a dinner with um, uh, the family, the Lubna family, who run this incredible institution called Africa Tukun. And they do a lot of work in South Africa specifically to help the development of communities. They're very embedded in communities like Deep Slut and Alexander. They find young people from uh, previously disadvantaged backgrounds, in truth, most of them from presently disadvantaged backgrounds, and they give them a fair shot at life. They equip them with life skills and job opportunities and a whole host of things that, frankly, were it not for them and the work that they do, those young people would be much the poorer for it, let alone probably not included in the mainstream economy. And so I was delivering the keynote at this particular event, and I had a fantastic time. We reflected a lot about where South Africa finds itself. And even though I'm you know, a global citizen and I live in other parts of the world, South Africa for me is still home. I still have businesses in South Africa. So I'm very tethered to what's happening in South Africa, even though I, um, to be completely honest with you, would sometimes prefer it not to be so. And so we have this evening, it's a fantastic evening and this dinner, you know, the three course dinners, the starters. Um, I'll never forget the very first time I had starters was in the year 2004. Listen to this. And I was speaking at the Black Management Forum event at what was then Caesar's Palace in Boxburg. The South Africans would know that today it's called Emperor's. And by the way, in fact, for calling it Caesar's, you show your age. And the Black Management Forum was celebrating 10 years of empowerment, 1994 to 2004. It was my first professional paying public speaking gig. And um, it was the first time in my life I had starters. I didn't know about starters until then. So I, when they said to us they were serving and they brought this little entree with food in it, I thought, well, this is not going to be filling. And it was the first time I ever had starters. Anyway, so we had this event, this beautiful event over the past week, great meals, etc. And then toward the end of the event, I start and come upon a conversation with a gentleman who, for the purposes of this podcast, will remain unnamed. But he is at the helm of controlling the endowment fund of one of the wealthiest families in the continent. This endowment fund, by the way, numbers in the tens of millions of dollars. It's a substantial endowment fund. And he controls the fund, right? Now, I know of the fund because being in the fund management space, which I am, and from the institutional investors we raise from, the name of the fund has come up a couple of times as a provider of soft capital to create anchor in your fund so that you can raise from the institutions. So I know of the fund, but I didn't know him. Anyway, so I get to meet him. We started chatting 
I tell them a bit about what we're doing. We're right in the middle of a fund uh, raising program, as some of you in this podcast know. We're raising a Southern Africa fund, SME based with a focus on the M, not the S. We're raising a FinTech Africa fund. Very excited about it. It's a growth stage fund. And, uh, and we've just completed the raise of our debt fund um, as well. So there's a lot going on in behind the scenes. So anyway, I tell them a bit about who we are and what we're doing and how long we've been around and the thesis behind the business and the impact we want to have. And he listens to me and listens and listens and listens. And after a solid three, maybe four minutes of my soliloquy, he looks at me and he says, so how long have you guys been running? And I said to him, uh, just close on 10 years. Now, in most conversations, when you say this, people take you seriously. It's like, well, 10 years, you've been around. Let's have a conversation. And he looks at me and he says, hmm, great. He then says, call me in five years time. So I said to him, why five years? Like, you know, we're close on 10 years old. Come on, we're, you know, we're a stitch away from it. Why five years? And he says to me, we are a multi-generational family wealth fund. My mandate is to invest in businesses that have demonstrated that they can survive intergenerationally. And one of the ways we can tell that is when businesses have survived 15 years of their existence. Just think a bit about this. Whereas for most people, running a successful business for a year is something you would open an Instagram account about. For most people, running a successful business for three years is reason enough to celebrate and buy yourself an exclusive German sedan. For most people, running a successful business for five years is reason enough to write a book and to tell the world about everything you've learned. For this gentleman, running a successful business for 15 years gives me the right to have a meeting with him. Just a meeting. So old money sees time differently. I thought long and hard about what are the traits of old money. And here's what I think are the traits of old money. First, old money sees time differently. Old money is not for the ephemeral, it's not for the moment, it's not for the trendy. It's seen the trends come and go. It's lived through moments like this before. Old money doesn't panic when the markets crash. It doesn't run when there is inflation. Old money doesn't get caught up in political noise and uh, the gyrating of politicians and protests. Old money sees time differently. The way I like to think of it is that old money sees time in dog years. It really takes its time. The second thing about old money is old money is non-emotional. It's completely unemotional. See, most of us are emotional about our money. In fact, if you want to see somebody's bad side, mess with their money. Old money is different about this. Old money is not emotional about money because it understands that money is an instrument of value 
and even though it might lose one day and gain the next, as long as it's, it's built and based on institutions of value, old money knows and understands that it will always be in the money. So old money understands time differently and old money is unemotional about money. Now, I've got to tell you, as somebody who actively invests some of his money, if you tell me that my portfolio is down 10% and I'm going to be unemotional, you've got another thing coming. But old money sees money differently. The third thing about old money is old money is quiet. It doesn't make a noise. It doesn't need to. Old money has nothing to prove. So it doesn't make statements and it doesn't send emails. When I say send emails, I'm being uh, demonstrative. It's a metaphor. It doesn't find the need to explain itself. Old money doesn't find the need to keep company with new money. Old money is secured in the knowledge of what it is. Old money. And so old money is quiet, deliberately quiet. Do you want to know how you can tell when somebody's old money? This is one of the things I've learned. When I'm traveling, I look for who is the worst dressed person in first class. That's old money. Always old money. When I get to the hangar, particularly if I'm flying private, when I get to the hangar, I look for the worst dressed person in the hangar. Generally, it's the above 50-year-old male. This generally tends to be the archetype. It's the above 50-year-old male who's wearing these really dirty sneakers or the above 40-year-old female who's got a 15-year-old handbag. That, that's the old money. Quiet. Deliberately non-ostentatious. The fourth thing about old money. Old money is not attracted by money. It's attracted by character. So if you really want to attract old money into your life, you've got to be a good human being. You've got to be a human being of substance. You've got to offer character and value. You know something you need to know about old money? Is it checks you out before you even find out about it. By the time you get the meeting with that person who's old money, they've made the phone calls around town. They know everything there is to know about you. They know if your track record that's written on LinkedIn is true or not. They know what's happening with your personal financial situation because they've had their people in Intel call up all of your data. They know everything about what's happening in your business. They know the missteps and the misfortunes as well as the levels of successes and luck that you've had. So by the time you show up for the meeting with old money, your character is what they're interested in. Yeah, they'll get to the business later. The business is important. It's at the end of the day why they give you money, right? But the most important thing is you. Can they trust you? Your character. The fifth and final thing about old money is old money tends to think in 100-year cycles. See, new money thinks in now cycles, right? We think about the now, the next, the next quarter, the next month, the next week. We're thinking about the next product, the next moment. Old money is thinking in the next 100 years, in the next three generations, how do we prepare our family 
and our wealth for preservation. You'll see this in how old money tends to make decisions around where they send their kids to school. They send their kids to school not only where they'll get a good education, but also where they'll get network, access, and opportunities to people who will help them preserve their wealth. Old money will have assets in parts of the world you and I have never heard of because they know that in those parts of the world, their wealth is preserved. So there are some of you, for instance, who would, you know, somebody says you've got a bit of money, what do you do? Well, I don't know, you buy an apartment at the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. Old money buys a farmstead in Liechtenstein. They'll buy an acre of land in rural Italy. Old money will have a motor museum on the south of France. Old money will have a wine farm in Lyon. Old money will have a beautiful waterfront property in Connecticut. Old money moves different. It's quiet and it thinks about time in 100 year cycles. In 100 years, no matter what country you're listening to this from, the politics of your country will have changed. In 100 years, no matter what country you're listening to this from, the governing party will have changed. In 100 years, it's likely that the currency your country uses will probably have changed. In 100 years, the brands that you and I are buying right now probably won't exist. Once you start thinking about things, in 100-year cycles, your decisions crystallize. Do you really need that car? Do you really need that watch? Must you really have that handbag? Huh. Once you start thinking in 100-year cycles, your decisions change. So, what I hope for you this week is that you would see your life through the eyes of old money. Judge people for their character and not just for the monetary value. See things in 100-year cycles. Be deliberately non-ostentatious and unemotional. And whatever you do, always, always, always think like old money. Right, friends? That's our podcast for this week. Old money. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining the podcast. And don't forget, visit the VTClub100.com. Friends, family, sayonara. This podcast was proudly brought to you by My Growth Fund in partnership with Sound & Sounds Media. To have your podcast recorded, send an email to info at soundandsounds.co.za. That's I-N-F-O at S-O-U-N-D-A-N-D-S-O-U-N-D-S dot C-O dot today.